We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly interview show where top chess players, authors, content creators, and accomplished amateurs discuss their careers and share stories and chess improvement tips. Perpetual Chess is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'd like to give special thanks to our presenting chess education sponsor, Chessable.com. For more information about the show, you can go to perpetualchesspod.com. But without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We are joined by a guest I'm excited to talk chess with. He has a very unique story for this podcast. He is a passionate chess player who also happens to be in year 19 of a 25-year prison sentence. Uh, He spent years in a maximum security prison until the year 2020. Now he is joining us via telephone from a work release facility in Wichita, Kansas. He is hoping to be fully released from prison in 2025. Uh, He's working with a nonprofit called The Gift of Chess, based out of New York City, looking to get chess sets into prisons as well as to others who need them. Uh, He's got, you know, obviously, as we will hear, our guest story doesn't start out so great, but it's turning into a great story. I love to hear him talk about his enthusiasm for chess and tell us what chess is like both in prison and how it's changed his life. So without further ado, let's welcome Tony Ballard to Perpetual Chess. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Ben. 
How you doing? Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. And um, I want to thank also the Gift of Chess for giving me a platform to even get it out there to be able to talk about my passion. And just to start off a little bit about who I am, like you said, I'm in a 19th year of a 25-year sentence. Um, the majority of my incarceration, um, I spent time, you know, playing chess and and taking the lessons and the skills that I've acquired from chess in order to apply it to my life. Um, it wasn't until like 2007 when I had to do a long-term segregation bid, um, having, you know, bad behavior in prison and involving, you know, uh, all kind of miscellaneous negative activity that I was sat down in solitary confinement and all I had was my chessboard and the guys down there, we played chess quite a bit, you know, and I had picked up chess at a young age, um, but I picked it up again at this time and I started playing and I was losing a lot. And so I wanted to win, you know, being, and so me being that I wanted to win, I started checking out some library books that dealt with chess, chess openings, chess theory and things of that sort. And so the more and more I got off into that, the better and better I became. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're so excited to to hear about the chess. And Tony, I mean, actually, I've been doing this podcast for over five years now. And the topic of uh, ways to try to help uh, chess outreach to prisons, how try to, to make that um, easier for all parties involved uh, has come up um, with some regularity. So I'm excited to dig into that. But before we get to the chess, I feel like uh, for context, we should talk about um, what led you to that that situation to begin with. Um, you did a talk in conjunction with the aforementioned GIF of Chess nonprofit. You gave a lecture via Zoom uh, to some people in New York where you talked about uh, having a, a difficult childhood, extremely difficult. So um, do you mind, Tony, just kind of before we get to the chess, which I'm eager to discuss, just kind of walking us through uh, what led you to to being in prison for for 25 years? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I grew up on the north side of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a lot of drugs, a lot of crime. Um, my mother was off into drugs, off into crime, and, and she also had it hard. And, and she did the best that she could with just having two boys and the knowledge that she had. So it just grew up with just, you know, trying to do anything and everything we could in that crime infested neighborhood, that drug infested neighborhood to try to survive and try to, you know, keep our head afloat, keep our head above water. And so I found myself doing things like going to the convenience stores, going to the grocery stores, um, going to swimming pools where kids had their shoes out, just stealing shoes from the kids so that I could have shoes or going to the grocery stores and stealing food so me and my brother and my mom could eat. And years and years and years of doing that and seeing nothing but crime around me ingrained in my mind that this is what I needed to do to survive. This is what I needed to do to keep my head afloat. And so it just became second nature, sad to say. Well, years and years after doing that, all the way into my adolescence, teenage years, and into my adult years, it was crime infested. It was, that, it was just crime. It was ways to keep ahead, to keep afloat. Now, mind you, my mom always wanted me to go to school. She always said, you go to school, you go to school, you go to church. So when I would go to school or I would go to church, there was people there that would see something in me that I didn't even see in myself. 
that gave me the courage and opportunity, even if it was just an inkling and a bit to say, hey, I can do something with my life. But I never really acted on that because I didn't have the confidence or the faith in what they were saying. It was it was an inkling of, you know, confidence, an inkling of faith. It was a seed that was planted. But over the years, I continued to do those things in crime. So in 2003, um, I ended up getting into a situation. I'm on the streets and I'm selling drugs and you know, I'm attracting a lot of attention and a couple guys, they robbed me and they put me in the hospital pretty bad. Um, I retaliated and they got up on the stand and they testified against me. And as a result of that, I was convicted and I was sentenced to 294 months imprisonment. And I've been here ever since. Convicted yeah. of, of attempted murder, correct? Attempted, attempted first degree murder. Yeah. Um, the situation was... Um, it was a shooting that involved and thankfully no one actually got hurt. Um, I was offered a, a plea deal for four years for aggravated assault. I didn't accept that plea deal. Um, they upgraded my charges to attempted first degree murder. I was looking at 25 years then. Um, I was convicted and sentenced to prison. Um, and just out of curiosity, Tony, what what was the thought process behind uh, n- not accepting the plea deal? Well, because no one was actually shot, I fired a shot, but no one was actually hurt. I felt as if attempted first degree murder was too stiff of a charge, and so being you know in in the in the drug game and the guy that I was dealing with was also in the drug game. We all was under the impression that he wouldn't tell, so the state wouldn't have a case, which gave me the confidence to go ahead and take it to trial because they didn't have a witness. Because this guy was a criminal. He was a crook just like I was out here. And so without him, they had no case. They would find me not guilty, and I would walk. So come trial, unbeknownst to me, the guy actually did show up. He got up on the stand, testified for the state, and I was subsequently found guilty of attempted first-degree murder because he said that I shot at him rather than my defense was I shot in air. And Tony, I appreciate your candor in discussing both how you know the circumstances that led you to being in prison. Again, very very difficult situation. It sounds like you and your brother, as you said, your mom did the best she could, but it sounds like you guys were basically trying to fend for yourselves, which can be difficult, you know, in a um in in a an environment with a with a lot of crime and in describing uh the circumstances that led to this lengthy prison sentence. Now obviously um you've you know, you've been a passionate advocate for chess. I've seen, I've seen you speak about it. You've at some point, it seems like Tony, you, you decided you were going to turn your life around. Um, is there like a moment you could pinpoint where, where that started to happen? Well, the moment that I decided that I wanted to change my life around was in 2007. Um, I was on a bus ride from one prison to another and you know, my brother, he, he, he's a model. Um, he did something really, really well with his life, never committed a crime, never did any of the things that I'd done. Um, and so, you know, I would see him often in 
in magazines and on TV and, and he would write me letters and he'd say, you know, bro, I've been all around the world, but I just can't find myself to come see you in that prison. And he would write me, my nickname was Boom Boom. And he would write me letters, Ben, and he would say, I love Tony, but I hate Boom Boom. You know, mind you, my brother was what we would call a square. He graduated from high school. He graduated from college with an associate's degree. All the things that I felt like I needed to do to, to, to survive, he didn't feel that way. And so he made something of himself, eventually going to New York City, where he became a model and flew all over the world. Well, here I am. I'm sitting in this prison, and I'm getting a letter from my brother telling me that he loves Tony, but he hated Boom Boom, that he's been all over the world, but can't find himself to come see me. That put me in a you know very depressive state because all my friends out here in the community abandoned me. Everyone I thought that was on my side had left my side, and it was just me, myself, and I. And here I am. I'm sitting in the hole. I'm getting transferred from one prison to another. And when I arrived at that next prison, I told everyone who knew me. Now, mind you, this is this is my fourth year in this prison system. But it's my eighth year total because I had got out from I did four years from 18 to 22 and I came back in 03 and in 07. So that's eight total years. They knew me and they would come on. Hey, boom, boom. Hey, boom, boom. And I say, hey, you know what? My name is Tony. So that marked my change there. I'm getting away from the street life. I'm getting away from the things that you call me. Boom, boom. My name is Tony. So that's when the change started there. Okay, well, we're, we're all glad that happened. And we should add, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but it was through your brother that you connected with Russ Makovsky of the Impact Chess ne ne Coaching Network and uh, the Gift of Chess. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but but I just wanted to clarify, to verify that. Is that right? Yes, yes. Russ Makovsky and uh, my brother, uh, Lamar James Ballard, are really, really good friends, and he connected me once I got here. You know, okay. I share with him a story. Yeah. Okay. And just out of curiosity, you mentioned you were hoping your your brother would come see you in prison. Was was your mom in the picture? Um, circa two thousand seven. Okay. So my mom, she had also done a prison stint. She had gotten out in the year I want to say two thousand and two, right on the heels of when I was going in. And so you know, when I caught this crime, she had began to change her life, and she's done well. Right now, she owns her own home. She's doing really well with her life. But when I caught this crime, I hurt my brother and my mother so bad because they they counted on me. They depended on me for a lot of different things, if not just encouragement and, and just moral strength and support around the home. But I hurt them. And so they ostracized me. They abandoned me. I wouldn't say abandoned me. They just decided that they're going to go on with their lives and then I would have to figure it out on my own, which in retrospect was the best thing that ever could have happened to me because I had the time to study Tony. I had the time to sit there and figure out, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to sink or am I going to swim? Am I going to continue the course that I'm on or am I going to change my life and get back to my family and friends and people that mean and matter the most to me? 
Well, again, I commend you for for the progress that you've made. And um, one more biographical detail before we we get to when Chess entered your life, Tony. How old was your brother when your prison sentence began in 2003? Okay, in 2003, I was 25. He's three years younger than me. So I want to say he was like 21 or 22 at the time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And Tony, like I said, I want to hear about when Chess enters the picture. But first, uh, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com, the leading chess education platform. Chessable, of course, uses its proprietary move trainer technology, which has space repetition to help you learn opening sequences, tactical patterns, basic end games, all of which it will quiz you on repeatedly until you have it down cold. They have courses both for free and for purchase. One of their newest includes the Beginner's 1D4 Repertoire by popular and entertaining YouTube commentator and streamer. I am Andres Toth. So if you're just looking to get your feet wet in an opening, it is a great uh, intro. And of course, they also have intermediate classics like Endgame Strategy and tons of advanced opening courses that you can check out for free or for purchase at chessable.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. And as we said, so Tony is in prison, has sort of a eureka moment where he's looking to repair his relationship with his brother, um, starts to um, educate himself and work to become a better person, switches from Bam Bam to Tony. And Tony, when does chess enter the picture for you? Okay. Well, Ben, like I was telling you, throughout my childhood, I was in juvenile facilities, uh, um, group homes, things of that sort. And there was always, or jails, there was always chess boards around. You know, there was dominoes, chess boards, checkers. But I gravitated towards the chess board. And so anytime I was in a, one of these settings, I would play chess. And it, it just was a natural for me to, to excel and to be better than my peers. And so here I am in 2007, I'm in the hole and, and I'm playing chess and, and everybody's beating me. Now, this is something that's, you know, odd to me. Like, this is something that don't occur. So that's when I start checking out chess books from the library. Masses of chess books in, in the um, modern chess openings and, and uh, different uh, theories and strategy openings, middle games, end game books. And... Once I start studying those chess books, my chess game got a whole lot better. And I started seeing success against my opponents when I would beat them. And then that led to gambling. You know, I'm down here in the hole. Um, I'm not getting money sent in. And everybody's gambling. And so chess, playing chess to win, we call it um, chess became my bread and meat. If I didn't win, I didn't eat. And so it was imperative that I won the game in order to make my life that much easier while I was there. 
Okay, lots to follow up on with that, Tony. But briefly, before we get to that, so, I mean, you described chess sets were around in various juvenile facilities, but how did you actually learn to play? Just watching. Wow, that's just impressive. Just watching, how, you know, yeah, just watching how they moved pieces and, 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 and then after a while, just sitting on the sideline, just watching how they moved the pieces, I had the confidence to say, hey, let me try this. And I would jump down there, and I moved the pieces just, just, and I started off by the scholar's mate. Good for you. You know, learn that scholar's mate, and just start doing that on people, and people would get a kick out of how you could checkmate a person in three moves, and it was such a beautiful thing, and it was nice. But every time I would get out of jail, or I would get out of a juvenile home, and I would go back home, there was no chessboards around. It was only until this incarceration here that I really fell in love with chess. Chess has always been there, but I didn't truly understand everything about chess until I had to sit down. I had time to think. I had time to study. I had time to devote all that time to the game of chess. And then once... And so my, sorry, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Oh, and so my days would just pass by. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and and, you know, we was we was in sales, and so I would yell across the run, "Hey, so and so, are you ready?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm ready. You up?" And so we'd number our boards from one to sixty-four. It wasn't you know like the regular notation where you have A through H and one through eight. It was one through sixty-four, and we would start off with pawn twenty-nine, you know, huh. and, he, and night night twenty-two, you know. And so he'd yell his numbers, I'd yell my numbers, and, you know, sometimes it'd cause problems because we get the wrong numbers. But, but yeah, that's how we started. It would pass the whole day by. we do that from sunup to sundown. Uh, I love it. And, and I want to hear more about that because I know you mentioned in your, uh, in your talk that you started notating games at some point. But on the topic of notation, Tony, so first of all, it's great that, that the library at your facility had so many chess books. But was it a challenge to figure out the notation? Were you able to just dive right in when you started picking up? You mentioned uh, MCO and some other books. Okay. Yeah. Initially, it was a challenge because I didn't understand, didn't know what was going on. But the more and more I just paid attention to the pages on the books and putting two and two together, that's when I figured it out. Um, you know, and so, but that I, I continued to play our way, which was one through 64. It wasn't until recently that when I connected with the gift of chess and Russell McCoskey, did I decide to, really go deeper with the game of chess, understanding chess notation, understanding how, uh, understanding chess engines. See, that was totally new to me. Like you can write down your chess notations and then afterward you can plug it into a computer and it can tell you what your best moves are, what your strongest moves were, what your weakest moves were. That was totally new to me. You know, since connecting with the gift of chess, luckily I've had – opportunity to play Abu uh, Manu Mishri, yeah. uh, one of the youngest grandmasters ever in a simul. I got a chance to play him. Also had a chance to play uh, Hans Neiman in a simul. Um, so getting the opportunity to really learn and understand chess and how your bishops are m- much more valuable, about three and a half points more than a knight. Three and a half points were knights worth about three points. So these little 
uh, nuances of the game helped me to really get a grip and an understanding of what the game was all about. Being yeah. in the hole, reading those books, reading those books helped me to understand the, the, the history of chess, where it devi- derived from. Yeah, do you have a favorite player? Books. Well, I would say my favorite player, hmm, I have many different favorite players, but I mean, of course, I, I study Bobby Fischer. You know, I get on YouTube and I go back to old Dick Clark shows and I watch Bobby Fischer and Dick Clark and how he talks. His confidence was just off the charts, you know, just watching those old videos. And, and then I'd study his games. Um, so I, I would go with Bobby Fischer. He's probably my favorite. Um, he's from New York City. And um, other than that, mm, I like uh, Well... Yeah, that that would be my top number one. Yeah, I mean, sure. for most Americans, he, he, you know, despite obviously his personal flaws, um, it's uh, you know, his chest was just electric. He's you know such a legendary figure. Um, now, Tony, you mentioned watching some YouTube videos. We had a question from a supporter of the podcast, Kai Alexander Liss, who was curious if you're allowed to use the internet regularly in your current prison facility and if you're allowed to set up accounts on chess sites and learning uh, platforms. Okay, well, in our current facility, that's something that I'm working on. Um, Like I said, I'm at a facility that is a whole lot less than minimum custody. Um, It's what we call it here. We have one foot in prison and one foot out the door. So I'm making proposals to the administration to allow us to have uh, access to computers to where we can play chess online with others. But right now, no, we don't. We don't have opportunity to play chess online with others. Okay. Um, yeah. The computer that we do have here is only for educational and online college. Okay. But Russ, uh, again, Russ Makovsky, I talked to him today. He did say that uh, you might be able to play people listening if they're interested via phone. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the ways that we... I, play with Russell McCoskey and how we actually developed such a good rapport is playing chess over the phone. You know, he has a chess board. I have a chess board and, and I'll say my moves and he'll move my pieces on his board. He'll say his moves and I move his pieces on his board, on my board for him. And, uh, we both got our chess notation books handy in case there's ever a mistake. And, and so yeah, I played in matter of fact, that's how I played the simul with, um, um, Hans and Eamon and, and Abu Mash. Abi Misra, Abu yeah. Mishra. Like you said, yeah. Abi is the youngest GM in the world, yeah, and it's awesome that that was facilitated. And Tony, could you tell us a little bit more about like the details of the games of playing these young phenoms, uh, Hans Neiman and Abi Misra? Um, you mean like the details of how we played? The yeah, game? did you feel like you oh. gave them a game? Did you did you get crushed? I mean, I know I would be well, a danger well, of being I, crushed, so no no shame either way. Well, well, most definitely when I play Hans Neiman, um, I got I got crushed. And then when I I will say when I played Abby, there was a moment there where he said, "Hmm, who is this guy?" Nice, you know. That's all you want, really. But then he went, <laughs> uh, "That's all I want, some recognition," yeah. <laughs> you know. And then he went on to crush me. Oh. But nonetheless. It built my confidence that I was able to hold up at least till we got, you know, into move 30 or so, you know, and, and then um, I got eventually crushed. But, yeah, I held on. But I learned a lot from that game. Very calculated players, very thoughtful, very 
uh, in-depth thinking that I seen there that I hadn't seen before ever, you know. So I, I was appreciative of playing them guys. It built my confidence to to play uh, even stronger players um, over the phone. Uh, where I'm at right now, there's not very many strong players, but there's a lot of a lot of people who have potential to be once they get a greater understanding of the game of chess. And that's what the whole goal is, is to help guys incarcerated know chess on a deeper level. Yeah. And one thing about, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, um, we've got uh, Lindsay Newhall, another supporter of the podcast, and then a bunch of good questions. And one of them was, uh, I, um, she was curious how chess is perceived in prison. Um, I, you know, you describe finding some people to play. Obviously, you know, when we're teenagers, sometimes chess, uh, you know, depending on circumstances, um, you know, kids can get made fun of it some for playing it sometimes, sometimes not, of course. But in prison, is it like a, does it give you status to be good at it? How is it uh, received there? Okay. In prison, if you're good at chess, everybody knows your name. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody looks up to you as a smart and intelligent person, and you get that type of respect. Because it takes a person time to put into the game, patience, control of your emotions, control of your thought process. And a lot of guys in prison don't have that. They're erratic. They're impulsive. They're not in control of their emotions. And so for a person to possess that type of control and discipline over a chessboard, it's very admired because it, it, we look at it as akin to your behavior and your overall character. And in prison, you got a lot of, lot of, uh, you know, uh, bad actors. And so you see a lot of that, but just to see someone who's disciplined and in control of, their thoughts is is an admirable trait here in prison. That's great. And so and guys who play, yes. No, you go on. Sorry. No, but so guys that that play chess in prison, they're looked up to. You know, I will say this too is that you have a lot of guys in prison who play chess, who also use the skills that they've learned over the chessboard because you acquire a lot of skills. You acquire patience, calculated thinking, strategic thinking, uh, abstract thinking, critical thinking skills, all these skills and learning concepts and how to put them together towards an end goal, which is to win the game. I've seen some really crafty, really manipulative guys in prison take those same skills and use them in the wrong way. But I've also seen guys take those same skills like myself and use them in a way that's progressive, that's positive, that's powerful and impactful to change your life. And that's the point that I would like to stress here and the reason why Gift the Chess partner with those out there get this game to prison systems as a rehabilitating tool. I'm certainly in favor, Tony. Now, let me ask. So you mentioned they had a lot of books at the um, at the prison library when you were in a higher security facility. Uh, it sounded like um, some of your fellow inmates had chess sets. But to the extent that you've talked to prison officials about sort of growing um, the footprint of chess within prisons, uh, what kind of receptions do you get, Tony? 
Well, where I'm at currently, we have a staff here who's really progressive and really open to the idea. Now, how to implement it would be a lot different because, again, this is a work release facility. Where it's needed most is is those facilities that are behind the walls, meaning maximum custody facilities, where there's a lot of um, unruly behavior going on. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of gang activity. There's a lot of drug activity going on. It's in those facilities back there that if we can get chess into the hands of those men, as well as teaching the game of chess, it can impact their lives. It can change. It can build confidence. It can teach them how to think and teach them how to think for themselves. Because a lot of guys back there, they don't think for themselves. They're influenced by others. You know, and one thing I can say about those who play chess avidly behind the walls in maximum security prison, they're thinkers. They're leaders. They think for themselves and others follow them. So if we can get these chess boards in the hand of those guys back there, teach them the game, help build their confidence, and then translate those same skills into their lives, those thinking skills, those abstract thinking skills, those critical thinking skills, learn how to set goals and to strategize, learning the value of a trade, learn how to enjoy your position and translate it into them lives. We can build the confidence where them guys start thinking for themselves. And I guarantee that the recidivism rate will reduce those coming in and out of prison and the violence, the gang activity and all those things back there behind the walls in maximum custody prisons would also reduce. Yeah, I agree. And, and have you had conversations again? I, I know you said that at the, the minimum security or less than minimum security facility where you are currently, the staff is receptive, but have you had many conversations about, um, about uh, possibly, contributing more to to where it's needed most the prisons where it's needed most okay so i've had staff members you know offer their help but it was limited it was limited to the to the point to where they would say okay we would give you permission to organize a chess tournament or we give you permission to you know set up a, a chess club and it would only last for a while but it wouldn't be something that would last, you know, ongoing. So it wasn't something that was also supported by the administration fully. Okay. And I wouldn't say that, that it was, you know, they're just not wanting to. It was just they didn't understand the true power that chess has to transform lives. And so I continued to show them through my behavior, through my work ethic, through my discipline, that this does work. And, and again, everything that I've accomplished, I can point back to and say, hey, it was because of chess. It was because of chess that I was patient enough, disciplined enough, that I set these goals, that I strategized all the way up to the point to where I am now. And so I would say that I am that poster guy for the game of chess in prisons and how it works and how effective it is. And when they can see that, then I think that they'd be more likely to open up the doors for chess to come into prisons as a cognitive rehabilitation tool. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> I agree. And and Tony, in, in the talk you gave uh, on Zoom, you mentioned um, how 
studying the different phases of the game, the opening, the middle game, and the end game, um, you you felt like that was a decent sort of a blueprint for for how one should approach life. Would could you um, could you expound on that a little bit, Tony? I'd like to hear more about it. Well, yeah, you know, one thing I learned as I start reading chess books is that it's all about having an opening, and then you study that opening to its fullest because there's so many different variations that can come out of that that you study that one opening and you learn all the different variations so that when you get into a situation in the game, there's nothing that your opponent can throw at you because you've already been down that road, you know? And so for me, I'm very tactical. And so I, I, I like an open board. And so I find the opening. I don't like closed games. I like very open games. That's where my skill, that's where my talents come out best at, the sacrifices and the traps. And so I chose an opening that would best suit my skill, that would best suit my playing style. And I advise that to others as well. And, 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 I, and I liken that to sizing yourself up, understanding what your strengths are, understanding what your weaknesses are, understanding your area of talent, you know. And, and so when you size up yourself and you see what your strengths, strengths are, your weaknesses are, your gifts and your talents, then you can put yourself in your best position or compared to chess, your best opening. And do you have a favorite opening? So, well, I've recently been studying the Collie system and the London system, and I find that very fun. I lose uh, very rarely playing those two systems. It's not a lot of theory involved. Um, and so, yeah, here lately I've been studying the Collie system and the London system. It's and funny, Tony, because you, you can get an attack in those openings, but uh, they have a reputation of being not as uh, swashbuckling as I thought you were going to say, like the Evans Gambit or something like that. Now, I haven't gotten into the Evans Gambit, but the Queen's Gambit uh, in the Sicilian uh, when I'm playing black. And I also like the Red Lupez opening when I'm playing white. Um, so those are some openings that I also uh, toyed with and studied with during my chess. And uh, you mentioned Modern Chess Openings as a book that you read. Where the, do you have any any other favorite books that you've come across? I know your choices are somewhat uh, limited. Well, um, I have a friend. His name is Mr. G. His name is Stefan Jozadowicz. Um, he has a bunch of chess books that he sent me. He's a, he was a former grandmaster. Um, so he's one. Um, some other uh, chess books that I've got off into, I want to say, now correct me if I'm saying his name wrong, Bruce. Uh, Pandolfini. You got it. The legend himself. Yeah. So, um, um, some other books right off the top of my head. Uh, I, I can't say. No. Okay. Well, and see, and see, yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask at the time. I mean, it sounds like Again, I think right now you're probably a little busier, which is a, a fantastic thing. But as you mentioned uh, when we 
talked prior to this interview, you're able to go to the gym and leave the facility. You're able to do some uh, employment seeking work. So I'm sure you're still spending time on chess, but maybe not as much as you were when, when you were in maximum security and doing a lot of chess, um, were you analyzing your games and, uh, and uh, were there any other like, um, methods you used to, to work on your game? And as you said, it, it, it provided income for you. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what else you did, Tony. Well, so, you know, I have what they call the brick. Um, that's, um, the brick is, um, was produced by uh, uh, Laszlo Polgar. Oh yeah, the classic. Um, yeah, chess yeah, fifty three hundred. So, so I, w- I would. Yeah, so I, so I would set up set up puzzles and chess puzzles and and just look at them and study them while I'm in my cell until I came up with the solution. Then I go on to the next. Came up with the solution until I, then I went on to the next. And sometimes I would even play myself. You know, um, I would get the Chess Life magazines. And I would go over different uh, puzzles they had in there, you know, different end games that I found myself uh, studying. And surprisingly, I also would later on see myself in the same situations in games. And I had an opportunity to, you know, beat my opponent because I took the time to study those, you know, those end game positions. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny you should mention the the Laszlo Polgar book, uh chess because i've referred to that too as like the desert island chess book because if you're stranded on a desert island it'll keep you busy for so long you don't need another one and you kind of were you know you you were um you know you were in prison with uh you know with not a lot of activities to do but a lot of time and that's the perfect book for that circumstance yeah that that that, uh the brick uh is a book that I spend a lot of time studying and, and it's those little puzzles right there that help really strengthen my game. Yeah, it's it's a classic. You've got plenty of, of company in that regard. Now, Tony, um, we just have a bit more to talk about. I feel like we've done your past. We've done your present and I want to get to your future. But first, we got to take one more break and hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. I've been playing Blitz a little bit better lately, so I figured I'd check out what's going on with my game from our friends at aimchess.com. And what I discovered is I'm not blundering as much, so that's good news. My openings continue to be reasonably strong, especially with black. Um, I still have things to improve, still trying to get better at playing faster, especially in Blitz, and converting advantages and even resourcefulness. But the good thing is that Aim Chess shows you positions where you didn't... Um, play to your full strength and you're able to either practice against the computer or learn from it, uh, practice specific openings, tactics that you missed, etc. You can do all this stuff on aimchess.com. So please use the link in the show description to check it out. And if you decide to subscribe, use the link or the code perpetual30 on aimchess.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And we are back. And before we get to Tony's future plans, uh, we'd like to pick up the thread of the phases of the game. So Tony was discussing how much he enjoys the opening and how he feels like that can be applied to early stages of life. And what about the middle game and the end game, Tony? Well, once you've learned your your strengths, your weaknesses, and you already set up your resources, you know, I, I, I uh, liken your resources to getting your knights, your bishops, uh, you know, your castling, uh, getting all of your uh, weapons out on the board and ready and having uh, – it ready to go. Uh, that's akin to your your resources, your sources, your support group, your family, friends, your loved ones, and all that. And so the middle game is when you really start putting all these things to use. You're starting to look at the different strategies that you're going to have to employ in order to get to the end result. And so the middle game deals a lot of with in life deals with going to job interviews, going to see employers. Um, also coming across um, old friends from your past or temptations to get involved in drugs or temptations to get involved in crime. It's during that time that you want to really focus on what it is that you need to do to stay in the game and not lose a piece or lose yourself, lose your position. Now, when you have obtained those things that you set your sights on, your goals on, then you move into the end game because now you pretty much got things in control, got things in order, and you're working towards the end game, almost near checkmate. But this is where things get a little bit more critical. This is where things require a lot more focus. And so you have to take your time. You have to take your time at these stages right here, of course, it's easy to get tripped up. And while there's a lot less pieces on the board, one might find that it might be easier game. You know, sometimes they call it simplifying the game. But actually in the end game, it's also difficult. It can get tricky. You know, every move is, is, is counts. And so for me in the end game, it's all about securing your position, securing your win. And so you, you got to just stay focused. Yeah. When, um, when Fabiano Caruana was helping out on a chess.com broadcast, he was describing what it was like to play Magnus and he was discussing his earlier chess career. And he said earlier in his chess career, he would, um, he would try to avoid end games because he felt like they were boring and it would be harder for him to realize his advantage as the more skilled player, as he often is being one of the top players in the world. But he said it's only in recent years that he's realized that that even in the end game with fewer pieces on the board, there's actually more opportunity for him to outplay his opponents. So you've got some uh, prestigious company in that uh, in that assessment of the end game, Tony. Well, you know, I will say this: there's just really hooking with uh, the gift of chess and learning more about this chess game. It is it, very, very high tech. There's a lot of that's going on in chess that that I can't you know, the greats like Fabiano Carano and, you know, all these guys, uh uh Hans Neiman and um Shanklin and, and all these guys, they're great. My skill comes in when I was able to take what I learned from chess and apply it to my life. Yeah. You know, these guys can get across the board and they can they can slaughter you over the board in the game of chess because they're so skilled and so masterful. 
where my masterfulness comes in at is when I take these same skills and I apply it to transform my life in a way to where I can become a contributing member of society, where I can be someone that adds wealth to my community, to my family, to my friends, to my employer. And so that's where my masterfulness comes in at. That's a fantastic perspective, Tony. And do you have, so you could be fully released from prison uh, in 2025. Um, it sounded like possibly even sooner if if things go well. Um, do you have any specific plans for chess? Like, would you like to work in chess? Um, would you like to try out a tournament? Uh, anything along those lines once you're uh, fully released, Tony? Well, I'm fully released. My, my goal is to work with the gift of chess and continuing to push the initiative to get these chess boards in the game of chess into the prison systems. You know, I, I see how they have the international game of chess and FIDE is working with different uh, prisons in other countries to do the same. But here in the United States of America, it's really not tapped into as thoroughly. And so once I get out of here, my goal is to work with at-risk youth, open up a chess club, get these kids understanding the game of chess, visit these county jails and prisons, help them to understand how the game of chess can relate to their life and how they can use the game of chess and get the skills that come with playing it and apply it to their lives for success. That's my aim. That's my push. That's my passion. And so once I get out of here, that's going to be something I work on. Um, for the most of my time, you know, I am a barber. I do cut hair. Um, and I also am going online right now to become a social worker, um, through a community college. Uh, but yeah, primarily my goal and my passion is to help guys that are in similar situations, um, to use chess as a tool to help them. That's awesome. And you grew up in Tulsa, your facilities in Wichita, uh, the gift of chess is based in New York. Any thoughts, Tony, about where you might do this? Well, right now, I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Like, I'm getting all my pieces out in the open. Yeah. I'm getting my knights out, my bishops out. I'm setting up my resources right now. I'm, I'm strengthening myself with going to college online. I should walk out of here, and I should have my degree. Um, I'll walk out of here. I also have some money saved up. And so... At that time, I would sit back and I would look at my position and I would see where it's best that I move to, whether it's best that I move to Oklahoma or whether it's best that I move to New York City. Right now, I have a lot of resources coming out of New York City with Russell McCosty and the gift of chess. So I'm leaning towards that way. But I don't know what the landscape may look like come 225. Right. And how are you able, you mentioned you've saved up some money, Tony. How are you able to to gather income right now? Okay, so like I said, this is a work release facility. And so right now I'm in what you would call the permanent party portion of the program where I don't actually go out to the community and work a, a, a nine to five. I actually stay within the facility and I keep the facility running by being the facility barber. I actually cut the guy's hair who goes out into the community and works the nine to fives. When I get about 18 months before I go home, then I will be eligible for the program. 
once I enter the program at 18 months, I'll be able to go out in the community and um, get a job. So my goal is once I get out to the community, I get a job at a barbershop where I can get my barber's license and I can also work. So I'll be, kill, uh, I'll be basically, you know, um, killing a bird with, you know. Two birds, two with, birds one with one stone. stone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's my goal right there. Um, and I'll be saving money. Now, I will say this. During my incarceration, I've been able to um, – touch elbows with a lot of guys that are in administration who runs these prisons here in Kansas. They've known my, 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 my rap sheet. They've known where I've come from, from the days where I was involved in gangs and, and trafficking and just being a knucklehead in prison to where I am now. They've seen that transformation and they know the cause of that transformation, which is chess. So these administrators, they have the power, they have the influence to put me in a position to where I can help and so I keep those relationships good so that once I am out, they can open the doors for me to come back in. Well, I love it, Tony. And just a couple notes um, to, to close on. Um, the Gift of Chess has a link tree for any listeners who want to find out more. Uh, Russ Makovsky has told me they've already given out so many chess sets, including to Tony's facilities and to Rikers Island. So you can donate through the link, but they're also just looking for volunteers, people interested in interacting and looking to help somehow. So encourage you guys to reach out. I'll be making a donation. Um, and I also, as we mentioned, Russ said you might be willing to play a few listeners. If uh, Tony, I can be the um, I can be the go between. So if you're okay with it, okay. would you be up for playing a couple people potentially, like where uh, you like texting moves or over the phone? What would you prefer, Tony? I would prefer over the phone. Okay. Um, when we're over the phone, we can. Uh uh, make a move. I write it in my chest notation. He, the other person can make a move. I write it in my chest notation, and it also gives me an opportunity to build a, a, a stronger a support system, a stronger uh, friendships with others out there in the community who feel the same way I do about chess. Um, there's a saying in chess that I, I, I like to say is called "gens unasumus." Exactly. That's the uh, fide saying. Could you translate that, Tony? Uh, it's just, uh, we are all family. Yeah. We are one family. We are one family. Exactly. Awesome. Um, well, Tony, this has been fantastic to hear again, listeners, if you're interested in playing Tony, email me, Ben at perpetual And, uh, you know, depending on how many emails we get, uh, we'll put a few people in touch with Tony and maybe build some sort of waiting list. Um, Tony, I love to hear your story. I know you credit chess with the changes that you made, but obviously, as you know, you deserve credit. Predominantly, I mean, people are responsible for the choices that they make, and it's it's really inspiring to hear how you've turned your life around. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, and um, it was a it was a blast to be on your podcast. I look forward to um, playing other people, meeting new people when it comes to this game of chess, and, and great things in the future with the gift of chess and, and getting these in prisons. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, thank you, and good luck. I mean, I, 2025 is not super far away, but all the better if you can get out sooner. You sound ready to me. And when you do get out, Tony, uh, I'll still be doing this podcast, so we'll have to catch up sometime and uh, get an update on your story. Sounds good. I'm all for it. Okay, take care, Tony. Thank you. Uh, you as well. Bye, Ben. 
thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. Big shout out to my producer, Matthew Passy. I'd also like to thank the Blue Wire Podcast Network, with whom we are proud to be affiliated. Be sure to follow us on social media, Beneficial1 on Twitter, at Perpetual Chess on Instagram, and or you can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group. You can email me, ben at perpetualchesspod.com. And of course, last but not least, I'd like to give major thanks to the Perpetual Chess Patreon and PayPal supporters. Those who choose to join that community based on their level of support can do things like submit questions for guests of the show, have access to live Zoom Q&A lectures with grandmasters who often have appeared on the show, going over chess games, answering questions, stuff like that. And you can even get access to ad-free perpetual chess if that's your preference. So, But most of all, thanks to everyone for listening, and we will catch you all on the next episode. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.